Welcome back to another episode of Thirsty for Therapy. Camille and Natalie here. I'm not exactly excited for this episode in terms of like it's going to be difficult for us. Like this episode, we're going to have to use our brains, and we don't love that. <laughs> but I think it's also going to be very interesting and helpful for us because we're going to have to study and take this test eventually. So. Camille, tell the listeners what we're going to be doing today. Yeah, nobody knows what you're talking about. I so, <laughs> I mean, I guess they do because it's the title of the That's episode. That's true. Um, so we are going to be studying for the California Law and Ethics Examination administered by the BBS, the Board of Behavioral Sciences. And I have officially scheduled my test. Whoop, whoop. So follow along with me and um, let's hope that I pass so that I don't have to um come back here and tell everyone that I didn't pass but it's okay if I did it's okay um so I take it March 28th so that is a little over a month away oh my god recording this on February 15th so it's coming up yeah so um we'll start the episode today might be a little bit of a shorter one we are going to go through just like the general structure of the law and ethics exam and then we're just going to kind of quiz each other on the topics and it's just going to be a little study sesh study with us. (laughs) Beautiful. Okay. So I personally have chosen to use the therapist development center, the TDC uh, program. It is $295. So it's a pretty penny. Okay. Um, I've just heard from everyone I talk to such good things. They have a 95% pass rate for like customers who use their, their program. So I just personally wanted to to a know the law <laughs> that is important it is important um and also i didn't want to take it down because it is a 150 dollars fee yeah. every time you take the exam Ooh, so i think not. grad school wasn't enough for sure for sure it's just never ending for us but here we are yes um okay so the california law and ethics exam we um anyone who is trying to get licensed to practice in the state of california has to take this within the first year of having their associate number. Right. So Natalie and I both just got our BBS um, registration numbers in the past like year, like six, seven months or so. Um, So I have until July to take mine for the first time. You don't have to pass it. You can take it. So like if I took it and then didn't pass, I could take it again, like in September. Right. As long as you attempt to take it. Right. Yes. And I, I got my number in November. So okay, I've got a little more time, but I think this is nice that we're even, I don't know. I love that I'm getting to help you study and it's teaching me that I need to get on my stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. be your motivator. Yay. Learn from me. <laughs> oh, I don't want to take this, but it's okay. I know. Something we have to do. We have to do it, and we have to do it once, and then never again. I think exactly. So <laughs> I think we have to take CEUs moving yeah. forward, but but no more tests, right? Okay. So, um, let me go over the structure of the exam. Yeah, give us a, a structure of what it even looks like. Does it even tell you how long it takes? Like how long you have? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Okay, so I honestly I think the exams are the same. They're both. Like, through the BBS, but there are separate study packages. So I don't know if there are small differences. Sure. Um, I'm going to be using the LCSW or the social work exam one, because that's what I'm using. Yeah. Um, okay. 
So where did it? Okay. So here's the structure. So it consists of 75 multiple choice questions. Okay. 50 questions are scored. The other 25 are experimental. Oh, so, wow. I didn't know that. It's a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. So huh. if there are ones that seem like really fishy or vague, it's probably going to get thrown out. They're trying, they're just trying it out on yeah. us. Okay. Um, but they're, they're not indicated, obviously. It's just like any other, you know, SAT stuff. They do right. that. Okay. All right. So you are granted one hour and 30 minutes to complete the exam. Extra time can be requested for people with, um, who need accommodations sure. like ADL or sorry, ADA, um, and ESL test takers. Okay. So if you need that, you need to request through the BBS. Um, oh, this is interesting. Hmm. I'm actually reading off the MFT one because this one had the facts, but, um, the BBS discontinued publishing the passing score for licensing exams. Why? I don't know. It doesn't say. But the first two years that the exam was administered, the scores were published. And the range, see, the passing score was typically in the range of 33 to 36 out of 50 scored questions, upper 60s to lower 70s. Okay. I mean, okay. I don't really know what that means because how many do you have to get? That's the thing. Right. I don't even know. Like, what's the passing? Percentage? Yeah. How do you pass? Right. That's not very clear here. Okay. Let me keep reading. So when will I be eligible? We just talked about that. Um, how much time should I give myself to study? What? <laughs> so I want to know what they what they have to say. How much time should oh. I be taking? <laughs> I felt personally attacked by the amount of time that they said they said that it should take that they recommended prepping within five weeks or less for the exam and when and it was so it's like minimum of 10 hours a week that you would study and I was like okay full-time job and we're studying in our jobs because we're being met with like ethical dilemmas and legal things all the time too so I feel like that's a part of what we're doing no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> look at me trying not to study no. <laughs> no I mean it definitely could be I mean if you're not using the program it's different I don't know how long that's going to take you to get through but yeah. their program like the therapist development center they structure like very specifically um like they have audio recordings that I listen to oh, and it'll okay. say like 43 minutes to get through this and then you take mock exams and stuff okay this lady talks so fast Ooh. So 43 minutes, that's an hour and a half. So I'm sorry, but like, I personally would never be able to complete all of this material in five weeks. Yeah. So if you're like me, which I think most people are, because I'm I feel like a, a pretty like strong studier. Yeah. And I feel like it's taking me a long time. Okay, good to know. Um, yeah, so they have, well, okay, that's TDC stuff. That's not necessarily um, okay, what happens once you pass? You will have fulfilled the requirement, and you do not have to take it again. Yay! Woo-hoo! It's a one-time thing for us people. It's a one-time thing. All right. Um, I really want to know how many questions you have to get right to pass. Yeah, it it, it could be something that we even look up and and add to our bio as well to tell people. I need to know because I those things are lengthy you're like looking at me scroll and you're like no we we don't have time okay fine I'll come back to it later but we will give you the answer eventually we'll give you the answer maybe we'll post it on our social media yeah yeah there we go we'll have people guess 
I'll make a quiz and I'll have people guess the percentage you think you have to get right to pass. Obsessed. Cool. Okay. All right. Um, the last thing I'm going to say about the structure is these are the topics that are going to be covered on the exam. Okay. So it's 40% law and 60% ethics. There are three parts of law, confidentiality, privilege, and consent. Okay. That's one. Oh boy. That's one. Um, limits to confidentiality and mandated reporting. And then the third is legal standards for professional practice. Okay. Okay. Ethics. There are also three professional, uh, professional competence and preventing harm, therapeutic relationship and business practices and policies. Okay. And I feel like in our programs, we were talking about this before we started, we don't hear a lot about the business side. I think we're very heavily focused on the therapy, which makes sense. And we are going out into the world as business people, especially if we want private practice. So in some ways, it's nice that this is on the test because it makes us study and gather that information, but it's frustrating that this isn't incorporated in our curriculum, in our master's programs, if that makes sense. Hundo percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew, I've definitely learned quite a few things from the Therapist Development Center. Yeah. Uh, which is, I feel like not, I mean, I wish that it wasn't new information because I feel I should have had some of this information before. Right. Any hoosers, let's get into it. Let's do it. Okay, so we're going to be, again, doing just a super organic study session together. Camille and I are going to switch off just asking different questions about the various areas that she just went over, and we'll see how much we know. Please don't judge us if we don't know. We have books and tools in front of us to provide the answers if we feel stuck. Yes, we sure do. But I think that's the beauty of law and ethics, too, is... And there's a reason we have to take CEUs ongoing is because a ethics, the whole point is that it's an ethical dilemma. Like there's not a, usually a black and white answer. Always gray. It's always gray. And a lot of times like with the law, a, the law changes every year. Right. Even this book is not up to date. And I think it's from like a year or two ago. That's how frequent the changes are. Yeah. So most, I would say most professionals don't like have these answers at the top of their head for a lot of it, especially when I think of like the minors and um, ages of consent, things like that, because they change so often. So these are all things that you can reference in real life, in real time. And that's why we have supervisors while we are working towards licensure. And that's why you are able to, yeah, be resourceful, go online, talk to a lawyer. There are things yeah. that are in place for us to make sure we're following the law. And yes. Yeah. Okay. Should we dive in? Let's do it. Do you want to ask first or do you want me to ask? I'll ask first because my book is open and yours is not <laughs> I was going to say, go for it. Oh, God. What's going to be the first one? Oh, God. Um, 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 um. Okay, I'm going to read the definitions. Okay. Two definitions. I'm going to read the definition for scope of practice and one for scope of competence. Okay. So those are two topics that are uh, underneath and tested. All right, let's do it. Okay, and then you have to tell me which is which. Okay. Okay. So one of them is an ethical issue. It defines the area of practice within a field in which an individual is proficient to work. It is defined by the therapist through self-assessment of skill set and can be modified or changed through trainings, qualifications, and areas of expertise. 
I would say that's scope of competence. Ding, 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 ding. Because we're living in the gray, right? Like yeah. there, you can get more trainings and then based on even the clientele you work with, you can become specialized in certain populations, but it's not going into, I need to go get another degree yes. in order to open up another like realm of possibilities of populations. If that, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you can expand your scope of competence through internships, jobs with supervision, and somebody who has the desired expertise. Amazing. Um, So supervision and seeking training are some ways that you can expand if that's tested. Um, Okay. So then I'll read the definition of scope of practice. So we have that. So procedures, actions, and processes that are permitted for an individual licensed in that field. So this is regulated by the business and professional code. Okay. So it determines what we're allowed to do. For an example would be um, as a social worker, I can practice psychotherapy. That's in my scope of practice. I cannot recommend or prescribe medication because that's not legally allowed by the business and professional code. We're not doctors. We ain't. Thank Uh, God for that. (laughs) That's a lot of schooling. Yarp. (laughs) Okay. Love that. So we started off on a good note. Okay, hit me. Not too hard, though. Okay, let's talk about confidentiality. Mm. We're going to go, I think I'm going to do similar to what you did. I'll say the definitions, and I want you to guess the term. Okay. So the two terms are confidentiality or privilege. Okay. Okay, here we go. Those are scary. Here we go. The first definition is blank is a broad term that refers to your responsibility as a therapist to keep therapy private. The second one is blank is a specific legal term and refers to a client's right to keep information about their therapy from being shared as part of a court proceeding. So which one's which? So privilege is the legal term. Ding, ding, ding. Gold star for Camille. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You should throw out some facts. If it's there, I can look for mine too about just like privilege. Cause that's like a really, like, I remember having questions about that in school that um, were interesting. Like the one I'll start with is that even when a client dies, Mm -hmm. they still hold the privilege. Yes which I just think is, a yeah. Correct. There's also a definition in here that talks about privileged communications. Mm -hmm. So communications between a client and therapist are considered privileged communications under the law. So for this reason, a court can't force a therapist to share information about therapy in a court proceeding, except in really limited circumstances. So that's where we break confidentiality in the case of a court is if we get subpoenaed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there are actually 10 exceptions. Wow. But like some of them kind of seem the same okay. to me. But one that I found interesting was if the, so this is for an example of when you could break or when you can share their information. So an exception to privilege in a court of law is if the client introduces an emotional condition. Um, so for example, if they're suing their boss yeah. for emotional damage, mm-hmm. that's, um, that would be allowed for you. The court could order the therapist the therapist to provide the records to confirm or deny said emotional damage. I mean, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's a sticky one, one though. It's I'm sure one. therapists have a lot of emotions when they get subpoenaed. It'd be so stressful. That's like, honestly, I, worst nightmare. I think about it a lot. And yeah. I really, really hope well, it. Because you just never know. And I think that's why a lot of people, 
um, may steer away from giving therapy to minors or mm-hmm. things that are court mandated because you're going to prepare for the fact that you'll probably get subpoenaed if it's court mandated. So there's specific therapists who are willing to go through that, I think. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting one too with privilege. Like, so it's always the client initially, regardless of their age. Mm-hmm. So even with minors, um, and then it kind of gets tricky. So it's like court, if the court has appointed a guardian, then they may hold the privilege. The if they're a holder of the state, then oh the God. lawyer holds the privilege. It's like it gets so confusing with kids. I hate it. Very complicated people. Ooh. So I won't ask you about that one. <laughs> I would <feel. laughs> Okay, let me see. We're doing good so far. I feel good about it. We're doing great. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of minors. Oh, boy. Okay, so what age is a minor, or I guess a person... No, a minor. Yeah, that's they would ask you about. What age a minor is able to consent to treatment without parental consent? I would say 12 and under cannot. So if you're over the age of 12 or 12 and over, you are yeah, able to and over. Yes. Um, sign the informed consent. And that's with an asterisk in that you have to be develop many, developmentally able to understand the informed consent. And that's actually, I think the therapist's discretionary. So the therapist yeah. will review informed consent. And if they feel like they're grasping the concept, then they will go ahead and have them sign it. I've also heard too, which is interesting. I can't remember the phrase, but when you're under 12, some therapists will give um, youngins like an informed consent, but not have them sign it or almost, almost like a verbal agreement mm-hmm. to make them feel like they're, I don't know, being valued or that they're having some sense of responsibility. It's not real per se in terms of legal ethical, Yeah, but they'll have them, yeah, verbally say the okay to try to keep them involved. But in terms of legal, yeah, 12 and under is what I would say. Yes, you got it. Let's go. So 12 years old um, and older can consent on their own, like you said, if they're deemed mature enough or um, developmentally able and then also a second thing that they include is that there is a reason provided that the they aren't including their parents. Right. So that could be as simple as my parents said that they don't want me to go to therapy. That's enough. Right. It could also be like safety concerns of like, I'm going to therapy because I'm having challenges with my parents and I'm scared if they find out I'm going to therapy, then they'll something might happen. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's one of those sticky things too with minors, like yeah. parents are involved and you're including yeah. them in the the whole process. Unless like you're saying they don't want them involved or there'd be a safety thing around like my yeah. parents would get mad, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, cool. Okay, my turn. Speaking of confidentiality and exceptions, we're going to dive into that. I want you to give okay. me the big ones. I'm thinking of... Okay. Like you, so times when I could break confidentiality. Exactly. Exceptions to confidentiality. So when would you break that and report? Okay. So child abuse. Correct. With the exception of emotional abuse. That's the only one that is not legally or ethically. I don't know about ethically, but it's not legally required to report emotional abuse. Yes. But you still can. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Elder or dependent adult abuse or neglect. Good. Um, danger to others, tear us off. Right. Um, 
danger to self, um, which is, yeah, it's a little bit more of a gray area of when, like, who would break it for, you try to not break it for as long as you can until it's literally like this person cannot be kept safe um, without, and then you would initiate, uh, like, calling per, if not ever has per, but calling the police or something and potentially 5150. Right. I think about self-harm in that, and yeah, what comes up for you when you think about self-harm in the realm of breaking confidentiality, where that line mm-hmm. falls in self-harm? Yeah, where do you go? Okay, with I'm going to say with adults because I, I've never worked yeah. with kids, so I don't really know what I would do. Um, with adults, it's kind of like based on their intent. Is this self-harm like intended for just self-harm or is there an intent that like if I die that would be fine with me right because then I would say that that was a suicide attempt whether or not they classified it exactly um and then I think it's just dependent like because a lot of people do self-harm and we don't necessarily get to choose to take away their self-determination right um especially a lot of borderline clients like so you you end up doing like contracts where they call you if they're about to self-harm or have self-harmed and you kind of assess if yes. you need to intervene. Yeah. But that's it's a hard, that's a really gray area. It is a really gray area. And it even takes me to, because you were saying harm to others mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And that took me to DV, um, domestic yeah. violence. Oh. I feel like that's another one where you would think due to harm to self that you would um, break confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if they are a married couple, I believe I'm correct in saying you would not break confidentiality because within the marriage, you're not, yeah, that's not something that the therapists have the right to do from my understanding. Yeah, correct. Even outside of marriage, any, any domestic violence, we are not obligated to, and we really like a lot of DV advocates have said like, do not report because it brings more harm. And then obviously if there's kids involved, then you would be making a CPS report if, if needed, but you never would report abuse of the partner. Right. And that's not to say we wouldn't do safety planning and we wouldn't ethically move in ways that are beneficial to the client and the client's well-being. But in terms of legality and breaking confidentiality, that's not something that we yeah. do at that time. Yeah. Okay. Again, 100%. a lot of different that. scenarios and gray areas we're, we're dealing with here. There's so many. <laughs> There's know. so many. I can't. Okay. Okay. Doing well. All right. Me too. Uh, I'm going to find one that's different. You're going to try to stump me? I kind of want to stump you. Uh I feel like they're going to think we're cheating if we don't get one wrong. We're on camera, though. They know we're not looking. Oh, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What are the reporting laws for child abuse and for elder abuse, as far as when, what's the timeline that you need to call to make the report and the written report? Okay, I could be wrong, but I'm going to guess. Okay, start with child. With child, I believe it's, you have to call within 72 hours, three days. Is it wrong? 48 hours? With child abuse, you have to make your verbal call and report as immediately as soon as it's is it the written the 72 hours and the written is 36 hours so it's like 36 first of all like i'm sorry who came up with that number well that's why i went to 72 because i was no like, like it's a dumb days. number like it's not even a, anyway so 36 hours okay. so that that one is the most 
stringent. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Elder, now elder abuse. I think elders a little bit looser, right? It's like two working days or something like that. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. You're supposed to call immediately and then write the report within two, two business work. days. Okay. See, well, that, yes. that goes to show I don't really work with children. No, literally. <laughs> with adults. <laughs> Wow, that I one was it. a tough one. Okay. That one is, yeah. Love that. Those hours are just confusing. But it's so uh, there's just so much. But again, if you had a child abuse report, you would consult. Yes. And you would be looking up the laws to confirm. At, you know, like these We'd are things you don't have to memorize. To our right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, in the realm of suspected child abuse, what is reportable? Can you name? Um, all of the types of abuse that you oh, could report. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, can you name the categories? I don't know if I can name all, but I'll try. Yeah. All right. So physical. Yep. Sexual. Mm-hmm. For kids, is financial a category or is no. that just for elder? Okay. For elder, it is. Okay. Correct. Um, it honestly should be for kids because I've heard of people literally taking out bank accounts and credit cards in their kids' name and running them. Down. Oh yeah. It's that, a how is that not anyway? Physical, sexual. Emotional, which we said is optional report. Yep. Um, neglect. Yes. Good. Is that it? Yeah. They list a couple more here, but though you're correct. Those are the, those big, are ones. the big ones. Okay. They also say willful harm or endangerment, which I feel okay. like is incorporated in the other categories. Yeah. And then abuse in out of home care. What? Which I, yeah. Interesting. Abuse in out of home care. So like foster care. Yeah. But what? But that, but that would also be categorized under physical abuse, yeah, sexual abuse, get that or emotional abuse. So I've never right. heard that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. You were right though. And you yeah. are right in saying emotional abuse is not a mandated report. It's a permissive report. Okay. I have another one that oh, might God. stump you because I, <laughs> guys, I swear I'm good. <laughs> no, I'm asking you like the question no, now that like I learned this when I was doing it. Oh, um, perfect. Okay. So, so I'm learning alongside you now. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't, I wouldn't have known the answer to this. Okay. Let me try. Okay. In California, are you able or like, give me the context if you know it of when spanking is allowed and not reportable? I believe if it's corporal punishment like if you're doing if like culturally if it's appropriate in your culture to spank the child then it's okay but if it leaves like a mark um like you can see the mark if it's a bruise or a scratch or that yeah. kind of thing then it would be reportable yes yes you got it oh my god you got yes. it okay sweet. okay so I guess like, I don't know the cultural, there was a section that they did on culture and it said like, even if they say it's cultural, um, we still have to report and then CPS will determine okay. if it's appropriate or not. But for spanking, open hand in general is okay if it fits the developmental age, which is again, wow, kind interesting of, way of saying that. Kind yeah. of weird. And it can't leave a mark. So, and you also can't use like physical things. So like obviously a belt right. would count. Right. Um, so if it leaves a mark or you use physical tool, then it would be reportable. But if it's just an open hand, not reportable. Okay. So I was practically <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask this knowing we don't know the answers, but I feel like it's important for us to talk about it. No, I love it. So I think we talked about this before we started the episode, but reporting consensual sexual activity. Uh, we have this table of all the different ages and it's very confusing but I feel like it's important to yeah talk about I'll have you guess for fun 
Okay. But if we get it wrong, well, it's complicated. Yeah. And people refer to these tables. No one has. That's why I have my handy dandy book. (laughs) Okay. If the client that you are seeing is under 14 and their partner is also under 14, do you report? So 13 and 13? Correct. No. Exactly. No. You do not. No. Let me say it confidently. You do not report. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. If your client is under 14 and their partner is 14 or 15, do you report? Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Good job. Okay. Let's see here. If your client is 21 or over and their partner is 16 to 20 years old, do you report? No. Good. And that is the most twisted fact I've ever heard because the or older, I don't get that. So that's saying that a 98 year old could have sex with a 16 year old and that's not. That's what doesn't make sense here. And there's an asterisk to all of these. And it says in some instances, even when partners are of similar age, their sexual activity can be considered coerced. Okay. So, so I think the keyword I, I, yeah, yeah. coercion. I feel like I would report it I if would. it was a 98 year old. Well, plus, like, like, who I'd, rather, report the I'd rather report than not report, you know? For sure. Okay. Let me do one last one just okay. for funsies. Yeah. Um, what if your client is 16 to 20? Okay. And the partner's age is 14 to 15. Oh shit. So client's age, client's age 16 to 20, partner's age 14 to 15. No. Good. Really? Yes. Okay. I was not confident on that. That was a guess. I was thinking we were going to have to look at this more, but you got okay. everything right. Well, I have been studying like with my program. So, so like some of this is, stu- it's, it's paying off. It's sticking guys. It's sticking. <laughs> Thank you. TDC. <laughs> okay. Hmm. We're looking through our books, guys, just to let you know. Yeah, because we didn't write out like questions. We're just going off of organic study sesh. Yeah. You know? Okay. How do you feel about duty to warn? Oh, gosh. I mean, I probably don't know it, but you can ask it and we can just. Okay. What are the, I guess, the parameters in which you would break confidentiality in order to file a Tarasoff, which Tarasoff is the name of the case. It was the name of the person um, that prompted this law that says that um, therapists have to have a duty to warn a potential victim of violence. Yes. And they have a duty to warn law enforcement. Okay. So what are the, like things that criteria you have to meet in order to like kind of break confidentiality for okay. that report. So, and I could be wrong, but I feel like if it's vague, as in they say like a group of people, but we don't know the specific person, like it's not identifiable or it's like a vague location, then it wouldn't be enough. But if we had the identity, like enough identity to like name that person, like if they said the name and I think like maybe where they were going to be located or something specifically, then we would break it. 
Yes, 100%. I, you said identifiable. So it has to be a reasonably identifiable victim. Um, there, mm, I, I don't think you have to have a location. Okay. I think it's so maybe just, that was just me in my head. Yeah, I think it's just the victim. If they say, like, I'm going to kill my wife. Yes. And then you assess further and say, like, did you, like, are you actually have intent to do that? You know, all that stuff. And they said, means to do it. But yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to like that. Or I don't know, like sometimes like, I think, I don't know, man, people probably don't just come and say, tell you I'm going to kill my wife. But yeah. um, like if someone like is assaulted and then they're like, I'm going to kill my abuser yes. or something like that. So we would, so they're identified, we have their name or we have enough information about them. Right. To, to be able to, tell the police where to go or who yes. to look for. Okay. And then the plan has to be imminent. So it can't just be like, ah, uh, you know, one of these days, if they... he does something wrong, I'm, I'm just gonna yeah. do something. It has to be like, I'm planning on doing this this evening or tomorrow. Yeah. Like there's a set timeline. Yeah. Timeline and just kind of like, this is when. It's okay. not just like a if then. Kind of I have a question and I don't yeah. know if you know the answer, but what about in the case of if you have a client who's saying that they want to commit a shooting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at a location um, with a bunch of people and they name the location and they name the population, but it's yes. a different group. Yes. Um, that actually was something I read about. Um, so even though it's not in a specific one victim or um, it's, it's a little vague, but it, they have targeted and said like, I'm, this is the school. This is when I'm going to do it. Yes. Then that would be enough to notify okay. law enforcement and then like, um, like call the school security or something and like warn them of the threat okay. so that they can take them steps to keep the whole school safe. Okay. Your question. Yeah. Um, the last thing with that one is that um, there was another court case. I'm forgetting the name of it, but um, it basically so it clarified that the person who tells you needs to be either the client themselves mm-hmm. or a credible third party. Hmm. And that's where it gets a little vague because how do you define credible, credible third party? So usually it's like parents, a significant other. But like, if their best friend calls, like, is that credible? Like, it gets that's, that's the, the therapist dilemma. Almost, yeah. I think. And as long as you're documenting all of this and explaining why you're moving the way you are, you should be okay. Right? I would err on the side of caution, personally. I, I would. Too. <laughs> no, I would yeah. absolutely do that. I was trying to think of the name of what you were saying, but I can't. I think it's the court case. Yeah, it's like Greenberg gold or something. Or, yeah, hey. Goldberg or Greenberg. Joe Goldberg. Oh gosh. Well, we would definitely would we report him? If he told would us we? an identifiable victim. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to pull in like TV. Look at us. Who would we report? <laughs> Who would we report? Wait. I think we should do another episode. And we like take different things and talk about like would we break confidentiality? Yes. Or what would we do in like this? I love that. Okay, good episode idea, Nat. Part yeah. two, part two of law and ethics. We we bring in our, yeah, our TV thing that we always love to bring in. I really can't think of it. It's something in Greenberg or Green court case right? with. Um, re- I'm just gonna say related to Tarasov. I don't know how to describe it. It'll pop up. I would hope because it's a big one. 
I know it's not. Maybe it's we not. got Bella and Greenson. No, because no, that's previous to the Terrasaw. Court case um, allowing credible third party to report duty to warn. Wow. Can't find it anywhere. Like literally, I feel like this was such a big thing I in school. So okay, it'll be another thing we come back to. Yeah, asterisks. Asterisks. We'll go. We'll go, we'll go to it later. Okay. okay. Let's see if there's anything else that I have in my mind. I kind of want to talk about informed consent. It's not a fully formed thought yet. I know it's. There's so much in it. I like do not ask a question. Almost like the requirements. Like what needs to be included in informed consent? I wouldn't There's know either. There's so much. There's a ton. I, I guess I can just list off what I can think of. Yeah. Um, fees and expectation for payment. Correct. Um, confidentiality and also when you would break confidentiality. Yes. Uh, benefits and risks of treatment. Good. Uh, I'm go through my assessment page in my head you're doing amazing um this is i guess this is more of a hipaa thing but you have to provide the notice of privacy practices yes especially regarding technology like you have to cover that telehealth yes yes yeah good i can't really think of anything it also says like um cancellation policy Oh, privacy yeah. practices, yeah. defining who is the client, licensure status, it says. Like, you need to have oh, that yeah. posted yeah. somewhere, I believe. Yeah, you have to have your license posted in your office where it's visible to clients. Yeah. And then there are also things named that aren't required but are encouraged, which is the therapist background and expectations of clients as well. Mm. But yeah, you did good. Yeah, actually, I knew more than than I expected. Oh, one thing um, that I found interesting. So if you work at an agency or a group practice or something, and you have your fictitious business name. Yes. I didn't, like, I've never heard that yes. before. So you have to list that name and then also the person providing services. Correct. Okay. That's right. Those are all okay. the questions I have. I don't know if there's any areas you want to cover that feel important to you. Um, a ton. There's so many more things that I want to talk about, but we don't have time to keep going. I know. Um, so much. I feel like we should do another study slash episode. Yeah. What well, do you think? How about we have everyone stay tuned for a future episode in the near future where we do TV shows, we bring in characters yeah. and we do dilemmas because hopefully we'll cover all of that amazing information in the scenarios that play out. Beautiful. Okay. This was fun. I feel like I really cemented in a lot of information and like it's so much better when someone tests me yes. like and I have to recall it rather than just writing it so yes I think back cool. to the comprehensive exam and doing like group study dates where we yeah. put up put it on the tv and we had our flashcards out and yeah I love this type of studying and I want all the listeners to just root for Camille and wish her the best on her test we know she's <laughs> gonna pass but we're gonna send you all of the amazing energy so that you can, yeah, pass and not have to think about it ever again. <laughs> I sure hope so. Thank you. I'll keep you guys posted. Um, I might do some Instagram, I don't know, some videos or something, yeah. maybe throwing out some questions 
people can answer in the comments. Yeah. If you studied know. with us, would you yeah. get an A too? Ooh. Would you pass? Ooh. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will see you next time for our last mm-hmm. episode last of the season. Of season two. Woo. Bye. All right. Bye. Mm-hmm.